Amanda, welcome. I'm so excited to have our conversation today. I've been looking forward to this and uh, I've known you for quite some time uh, since you and Kathy were at the Girl Scouts and and uh, I remember I was supposed to meet you and Keith for some for something, but I don't remember exactly what happened. Um, and I didn't get the opportunity to meet Keith at that point, but that was the first time that Kathy met Keith. It was during a Girl Scout cookie drive or something along those lines. Uh, I think I had to take care of mom or something along those lines, yeah. but uh, uh, it's been a great friendship um, ever since. I, uh, I think the world of uh, both you and Keith and really excited to talk about a lot of the great things that, uh, you know, that you've been doing and a lot of the great things that are on the horizon for you. Um, and so with that, one of the things that I'm really, when I saw that you had signed up to run, what, 21 2021 miles in 2021 is that uh, is that correct that's correct yes because you know i can't just stand not having a challenge in front of no, me so why no, not no um, on top of uh on top of going you know a uh, phd program and just all of the other things i mean why not throw in right. 2000 miles of running let's uh, just add it on yeah. yeah yeah no that's fantastic so what made you decide to uh to take on that challenge yeah, well, first, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, and yeah. I'm also very grateful for the friendship we've had. And it's mm. just awesome to be able to chat with you for an hour. And um, so thank you so much. I um, decided to do this challenge because I don't know, I think it's just an opportunity this last year where people are thinking about ways in which they can stay motivated, um, mm -hmm. challenge themselves and you know, put something else on the calendar to look forward to. And so for me, I felt like it was yet another way for me to do exactly that, you know, to stay motivated and to do something that might be a challenge, but um, keeps me moving forward. And I feel like in all of the races I've ever done, um, that's been one of my constant mantras is just like forward is forward. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily matter the pace or the distance or, you know, whatever it's, it's moving forward. And so for me, it felt like, you know, tackling 2,100 miles, um, in, uh, this year would be particularly challenging. Excellent. And I want to talk about a couple of different things about that, like strategy and stuff like that. But, um, I think that you bring up a great point because I think that last year, you know, things changed for a lot of us, right? Like we were working out at 5 AM, uh, consistently, for a couple of years and then COVID hits and then, you know, we're no longer able to work out in that fashion. Um, you have gone back to working out at that time. I know, you know, uh, occasionally, but for myself, that morning routine has now forever shifted. Um, but in a good way for me, like I, it's not a way that I'm disappointed in. Um, it's just, it's, it's, I had to find a new morning routine once COVID hit and we were no longer able to know that we were going to quickly go back to something. Um, but it also brought on a lot of, I think, frustration for people. Um, I know that I tried to keep myself challenged over the past year, but um, how did that affect you? I mean, did you, what did you do to try to um, both physically and mentally, you know, help yourself over the past year? Yeah, it was, it was quite a dramatic shift. I mean, I remember, and here we are, you know, almost exactly or exactly a year after having really made decisions in our workplaces to come home. And I remember it being, you know, a conversation within the administration um, one day 
that these were the you know actions we were taking to move to remote work and remote teaching and remote learning. And the next day we were home. Um, and so it was that quick of a shift. And I think, um, you know, that's traumatic for people on a variety of levels. I think, you know, none of us were prepared to just change our entire work life to a home situation um, mm. for our students. And we can certainly get into more of the, the student aspect with, with yeah, work, but, um, you know, that was a shift for our students. Like, where do I put a desk? I don't have a computer. Like, we're all sharing a computer. So I think for me personally, um, it required a lot of flexibility um, mm. and kind of pulling from that, um, hopefully pretty good reservoir of resilience. Like you gotta be resilient and resilient in this time to decide um, for yourself that, okay, I'm gonna need to shift. Um, that may mean different mornings, different afternoons, a different kind of work day, um, but prioritizing yourself in that mm -hmm. process is super important. And I think after that initial shock of, okay, we're home, we still have a ton of work to do. I still have deadlines. I still have people counting on me, but I still need to take care of myself. Um, and so in those early weeks, um, as you know, you know, a group of us who were so used to that, um, waking up, going to the gym at 5 a.m., we decided, okay, let's let's make one another accountable and let's get to together on Zoom. Let's still wake up. Let's just zoom and let's, you know, pick up whatever's heavy in our house if we have to um, mm -hmm. do the push-ups kind of thing. But I think it it kept us all accountable and frankly, it probably kept us sane during that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then I know that that kind of faded out a little bit. It was it was tough to kind of keep that momentum and and you know, people found new routines. One of the things that I think that I saw, you did a lot of hiking last year. Was that an, a fairly new activity? And and how did that help kind of just, I would imagine that helped in a lot of just mental capacity, like, right, getting your body moving, but then also taking time to just maybe not think or think about a problem that you need to solve or a variety of different reasons why I know that, that. that's a very therapeutic thing to do. Absolutely. All of that. Yeah. Hiking was not my thing before the pandemic. And it's not as though I've done a ton of it since, but enough to kind of really um, love it now. Um, I, I've, I've been a runner and so the pavement has been sort of where I've been comfortable, but I think just kind of exploring something new was really great and did all the mm -hmm. things you mentioned. It just kind of gave me space to clear my head, um, appreciate what I have, um, think through a problem. And I think, again, kind of creating that space for yourself and maybe mixing up the way in which you've created that space for you yourself previously like mm -hmm. some of the things I think again feeling like we're all kind of stuck in this pandemic world this very new and unprecedented time I think required us all to kind of think differently about how we're doing stuff and so while running had always been my thing let's mix it up let's get out onto a mountain well, then most people are waiting to go back to pre-COVID days. And I don't think that we're ever going to fully go back to pre-COVID days. Like life has forever altered in a way that, you know, it's not just going to go back and we can live. Like things have changed. The way that we work has changed. The way that we interact has changed. There's a lot of things that have changed. And I know a lot of people are getting, you know, 
very, very excited. I'm, I'm somebody that, you know, even when I see people, I'm a hugger. Like I like to, uh, you know, hug hello and say how So having that void is something that truly like it, <clears throat> it hurts. Like it's, it, it's, it doesn't feel good to be able to not have interaction with people. Um, but again, just the way that we do businesses in, in, in the way that things are, are forever evolving. And I think that, um, that that's just a testament to, you know, we can't get stuck in this one place. We have to always think about, okay, well, <clears throat> things can change and I have to evolve with it. I have to be open to new ideas, yeah. right? And just explore them for yourself. And, it's and, so and kind true. Of it really is so true. I mean, flexibility, I feel like has been the name of the game personally and professionally for mm -hmm. everybody. Um, yeah. and, and you're right. I don't think that our world or our workplace is going to go back to a quote unquote normal as we knew it a year mm -hmm. ago. I think that, you know, things have changed out of necessity. And I think in some ways the changes we've experienced have been good and mm -hmm. hopefully stay that way. You know, yeah. um, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've thought about this a number of times in different kind of um, work meetings that I suspect no longer will there be work meetings that just kind of dive right into the agenda right? Mm. You know, like you've got the five things you need to cover in that meeting. And usually you walk into that room and you start with number one. But I think now meetings really have to start with this sense of empathy, like this acknowledgement that we're going through stuff. Like mm -hmm. we've got kids in the background. We've got parents we're caring for. Um, we didn't get sleep last night. You know, there's so many other factors that I think are playing into our world and have been over this year and they always have but i think mm -hmm. we need to be more aware of them now and so our work world is changing as a result leadership is changing as a result yeah right like i mean we grew up at a time where you didn't question if you had to work 60 hours you just put your head down and you went to work and you were just grateful that you had a job and you just did whatever you needed to and you didn't you know, if you just had to figure stuff out and, and, and all of that. Um, but that's not really like, that's not, that's not a great way to look at things. I mean, you really have to look at the whole, right? Like the entirety of what somebody may be going through is going to be uh, present in everything that they do. And right. so if you're not dealing with the whole person, um, you know, then then you're missing out people are missing out they're not getting you know exactly so a, a variety of different things but yes the emotional intelligence is really what's kind of coming out of all of this that we not only have to be good at our jobs right but we also have to be have a level and not everyone has empathy or varying levels of empathy, but we have to be open to understand that people may be going through things that we don't understand that we can't exactly. know, right? Because um, just like with inclusion and diversity, I mean, the, all of that is, is the understanding that I don't bring the same thing to the table that you do. And so we're going to have different views and different opinions about something, but it's when we can respect your opinion, respect your view, and then come together for a better conclusion that we move forward. And, uh, and so having that level of empathy and kind of bringing that all together really is what, uh, you know, makes true, true leaders in today's day and age, because you have to deal with a variety of situations. 
You do. You do. Absolutely. I mean, I, I know I feel like we could talk forever about this topic, but it's <clears> so important. I mean, we, I cannot take credit for this, but I, I credit HCC for creating this opportunity for its employees. We um, have been part of a, a three series um, webinar that, um, three part webinar series that really focuses on resilience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've got so much going on, we need to kind of get through the day to day business. And here we are carving out time to talk about resilience, but it's so important. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, small concepts like understanding that we can be broken and whole at the same time, you know, mm -hmm. that you can put you, you can put something back together and it was broken once, but it is still together. You've still mm -hmm. got it together. Um, and I think respecting that people in varieties of stages in their life, personal and professional, will have been broken yet are still whole. And we've got to acknowledge that. And that acknowledgement, I think, makes us better teams, um, makes us understand what people are going through so that we can be more effective and get our job done um, in a better way. Well, and to kind of play, you know, continue with that, I mean, we all have gone through something. I mean, everyone, you know, everyone is dealing with some form of adversity either now or in the past or coming up in their future, right? Like adversity isn't anything that anyone gets to avoid. Um, but most people are unable to ask for help when they need it because it's a very, you know, we look at it in this really negative capacity and, uh, um, and it's hard to do. It's hard to accept help. Um, but while this journey is ours alone, uh, we all need help along the way. And, and, and so that's a huge point that we're all broken, but whole at the same time, because everyone's dealing with something and most people probably haven't really dealt with it. So therefore, you know, you're still this broken version because, you know, yeah, you really, you, you, you haven't dealt with those things that, that still cause you pain. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And we probably could, you know, yeah, we could talk about that for a long time. But, um, you know, one, one of the things that I also I really want to focus on, um, I was just talking to Diana the other day and talking about the, really the aspect of, of taking care of kids during this time, trying to work and just the fact that she, you know, got into this defense mechanism and, and really, you know, stopped taking care of herself for a little while and then got back to it. But on the other side, on the administration side, I would love to understand what that was like for the school to make these decisions and then have to really figure things out and, and kind of go through. I mean, I'm, I'm sure on the administrative end, it was, it was a nightmare. I'm, I can't even imagine the the hours that must have been worked trying to figure this out in the very beginning. Yeah, it's, it is a complicated process um, and complicated for um, every member of the institution, faculty, staff, administration, um, because of all of the nuances of, you know, working, teaching, learning, and doing all of that from home. So I think first and foremost for us, um, and certainly for every higher ed institution, it was, we are going to ground our decisions in um, ensuring that we're putting the health and safety of our community front and center. Yeah. Um, and so that needs to guide our decision-making. And so as we thought about things like even commencement last 
spring. Um, those were heartbreaking decisions to have to make for students who, many of whom are the first in their family to go to college and now have completed a college degree. And at that time, we're not gonna get the chance to walk across the stage and have their family mm -hmm. cheer them on. Um, but we, we really, I think, tried very hard to um, be clear and transparent about the decisions we were um, we were making and how we were coming to those decisions. Yeah. Um, and I really, I credit our president for being very open with um, how she was, um, you know, taking in feedback and, you know, hosting town halls for students to gather that information mm -hmm. to say, you know, what matters to you? And if we cannot have it in the Mass Mutual Center with thousands of people, how can we still deliver on what matters most to you? Uh, mm -hmm. so really listening to our community and communicating a ton. I mean, that was a big shift for us as well was um, when we're on campus, we've got, you know, the big theater where you can have a couple of meetings a year and everybody physically gets together and you get all the updates. Um, but now there's just this sense of isolation in a community that, you know, isn't sure what's going on or do I, um, do I have all the information or when did that information come out? Um, and so it was really, really important for us to communicate super frequently. Um, there were constant emails um, being sent with updates um, and revisions to those updates and, you know, join us for this campus-wide meeting so that we can talk about these updates. But um, it was consistent and I think it kept our community feeling like, okay, I'm in the loop. I know what's going on um, as best as we can share and um, disseminate that information, but it was hard, especially in those early months because things were changing so quickly. Well, and no matter what the decision is, people were, were in the midst of this chaos anyway, and it's going to be hard to, uh, to make any decision and have it be the right one, um, you know, because everyone was just in a, uh, it was in a tough place, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's excellent. And now, so you've, you've taken this um, path through higher education from the very beginning, right? Like through your master's and now a PhD program and really with a lot of the, the work that you do, right? And so now you're in charge and I think that a lot of the positions have always been and, you know, related to institutional advancement. And so what does that mean and why... I guess has education just been something that has given you this energy? Was it always something that gave you a lot of energy? You know? Yeah. Um, thanks for the question. Um, <laughs> I so when I was an undergrad, I um, was a phonathon caller, mm. um, and so I think everybody in my family, my whom I told was I was, you know, doing these phone calls as a phonathon caller was like why would you do that? You're going to have to make so many <laughs> That does not sound enjoyable at all. Why are you doing this? Um, but for me, it, it was really rewarding. I loved mm. hearing the stories of alumni. Um, you know, here I was, you know, an undergrad, having the experience in that moment. And then, you know, an alumna from the class of 1975 is telling me the same experiences. Um, and then, she's choosing to give back financially to a place where I am um, to benefit students like me whom she's never met yet somehow believes in. And I think mm. that all that resonated with me from the beginning. Um, I, I felt, I think, 
from that first work study job as a phone-a-thon caller, like, wow, giving can be a really joyful thing. Um, people really enjoy this and they do it because they believe in something or someone um, and they know they're making a difference. And gee whiz, I didn't realize that you can make a career out of this. Like that's sort of where my head was at as, a, as an undergrad student. And so those were the roles I started looking for leading up to graduation. And it's sort of where I've stayed, um, which has been really rewarding. So I think, you know, now I used to joke when people would say, you know, so what do you do? Like, what does it mean to be an advancement? Um, I would, and I, this is a joke, but I would say, well, I plan parties and I ask for money. Um, because in, a, in an essence, it boils down a bit to that, but it's, it truly is just um, kind of the jokingly um, statement about it, because I think there's so much more to it, of course, than that. It's, it's about really inspiring this engagement and investment in people, um, it, what for people in an institution, um, mm -hmm. or in a purpose. Um, and so you do that through, you know, creating a golf tournament, maybe, or you do that through meeting with somebody to talk to them about um, wanting to establish a scholarship or endow a program. Um, but it all comes from kind of learning those stories, which is something I learned as a phonathon caller. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And now when you were, um, when you were, in your master's program, you were involved in a mentorship program, right? I was, yeah. And so how has, and I, and I still, you know, I, I know even when we've had some different conversations, we've talked about, you know, who you are as a mentor. Um, and, and so obviously that's something that giving back to other individuals has always been um, a priority for you. And so what was, what about that mentorship you know, really, I think, um, you know, affected you? Like, how did that, uh, you know, kind of take a look at, hey, you know, I want to do things in the future or yeah. just help, help um, you know, somebody else kind of get through a situation, right? Like, you know, going into school is a very difficult uh, kind of time or lots of frustration. So what was that mentorship program like for you? Yeah, um, I, I think of a couple of things on the mentorship program. First, I feel like now, as you're giving me the chance to kind of reflect back, I think that is a volunteer opportunity that I think speaks so much to like the landscape of philanthropy that I've loved this whole time mm. in my career. Like that is giving back. Um, it's not financially maybe giving back, but you are giving of your time and your knowledge to someone else. Um, those are assets that you possess that you're joyfully giving back to someone. And so mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, when we think about philanthropy, it takes a lot of forms and mentorship is one of those. And, you know, maybe all along as I've been in this career, that's kind of been sort of part of that foundation. So thanks for making me think of that. <laughs> but I think mentorship for me, you know, that I guess part one was that. And then part two is I, I received mentorship. And so I felt mm. like um, as a student, having gone through the master's program at Drexel, I wanted to be able to, to be a little bit of that for someone else because I had been so fortunate to get that support from others. I've been so lucky to benefit from um, women in my career, um, not exclusively women, but amazing women um, mm. who have been 
rocks for me and sounding boards for me um, in ways that um, really enable you to see, enabled me to see, and I think a mentor enables one to see that something is possible beyond what you are currently doing. Mm -hmm. um, so be that a mentor in the role you aspire to be or someone completely out of your field, I think there are so many great nuggets of inspiration that you can pull from somebody who's willing to say to you, um, let me help you, um, or let me show you the way, or let me be an example to you, or if you need me, call me. I mean, it's just, it can take a lot of forms. And you have to be, you have to be open to, to having that, right? And surround yourself. One of the things that uh, I was just talking to somebody else and they said, you know, surround yourself with people that, you know, you want to aspire to and kind of be like, and, yeah. and, and which is fantastic. And so <clears throat> has there been a mentor or two of yours that have had the greatest impact for you? Oh my gosh. Um, a, a few, uh, I, I, I can drop names, but I don't want to leave. No, not to put out, anybody but... on the spot, but just to, but just to see, you know, what did, I guess, what did that do for you? Having that yeah. individual, like, just so that other people can understand why it's important to let sometimes people help, why it's, yeah. what you know, not only if they're, maybe they're not mentoring somebody, but can understand that being a mentor is not just for somebody else. It's also for the individual as well, because yeah. you get so much out of it um, that sometimes it feels selfish. <laughs> right, but right. but what what were some of the biggest impacts that you had because of somebody else? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think um my my lessons in how to be a, a leader, um, a good leader, um, have come from mentors in my career. Who um, who taught me lessons like, you know, an ability to listen um, and take feedback, um, take critical feedback um, and to respond with empathy and care um, and to really um, think before you speak. Um, I, you know, and I'm thinking of women in my career who I still kind of do the like, what would so-and-so do? Like, mm. and I, I really find myself very often taking moments of, you know, before I do this thing or respond in this way or prepare for this presentation, like whatever the thing is, I'll think, how would this person approach it? Um, and I think that's the greatest gift a mentor provides is that example, you know, that just kind of like lives with you beyond, you know, the phone call you might have with him or her. It's mm -hmm. really leaning on that person's influence in your life um, as one that's shaping who you are. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I know that successes I've had in my career and, and, hope to have throughout my career have come because I have taken those moments to think to mm -hmm. myself, what would so-and-so do? Yeah. Um, and those moments are always very uncomfortable, right? Like anytime you push a new boundary, it is so uncomfortable. Um, but once you do that, you realize that it's not so uncomfortable. It doesn't, it's not so awkward. It, you, you right. make a lot more out of it than the situation is. But you know, the unknown is so fearful that, you know, we sometimes do a lot of different things. So it's nice to surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you, even, even if they're not present, but who have encouraged you in the past to say, okay, I've been here before and I can move forward. I can do this. Yep. Absolutely.
Excellent. And so before we kind of, I, I want to shift to a topic, but one of the things that I just want to talk about, um, the second part of your, um, uh, your position is also uh, uh, the executive director of the HCC Foundation, right? And so I, I know we've talked about a lot of different things that have been, I can't believe that I'm doing this in this, in this capacity, <laughs> but what has, what has that, you know, kind of position done for you, I, I guess, expanded, um, you know, the role that you were currently in? Yeah, um, so my role is, is twofold, you're right. It's, um, it's Vice President for Institutional Advancement and then Executive Director of the Foundation. The Foundation is um, a separate 501c3 under the umbrella of Holyoke Community College, mm -hmm. essentially the fundraising arm of the college. Um, yeah. and, um, and so my, those two roles, you know, work very closely together, like under, um, within my team is marketing, communications, alumni relations, um, you know, development and fundraising. And so that's all the kind of stuff that helps mm. the foundation tick and, and work and, and support students. Um, but the foundation work, um, you're right, it kind of gives me these moments of like, how am I doing this? You know, you have these sort of out-of-body experiences mm. sometimes. Right, well, because well, you were just at White Lion Brewery and 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 you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> think that I'm going to be at a brewery uh, with part of my higher education. Right, exactly. Perfect example. So I think among the many things I love about my role um, and being in this field is that you wear so many different hats. I love that about this job. Um, and so you're right, one morning um, in a day, um, and this is literally a day in a life, you start at nine o'clock in the morning at a local brewery, pouring it because that brewery with others locally are creating a special brew to support HCC students through the creation of a scholarship. Then you're in a meeting talking about strategic plan priorities and moving the institution forward to make sure that students can um, be retained from semester to semester, succeed to graduation by having the right support services and structures. Um, then you have a budget and financial oversight committee meeting that talks about, you know, how are we gonna manage the foundations $17 million endowment effectively so that we are um, making sure that we are best supporting the students and programs of the college. Um, and so how can we do that? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then it ends with who knows what. Um, so every day <laughs> is just so different. And I think that's what makes it in part so rewarding. Um, and even though those, many of those activities don't directly um, connect me to students, every one of those meetings or discussions enables us to best support our student. And mm -hmm. at the core, that's what I love about what I do is that we get to create opportunities for students to achieve more than they might have ever thought possible, which mm -hmm. is the, the best part of my day. That's fantastic. And, and, and so it's, it's amazing because not only do you help students and you're kind of in this place of, of really making sure that they're getting the best experience, um, but you also volunteer your time, right? You, you're on the board of directors for the Holyoke Chamber of Commerce. And so you also uh, have small business in the best interest. And, and so um, how has that work 
you know, um, or just what has that work been like for you now being on the board of, uh, of the Chamber of Commerce? Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I've been on the board um, maybe close to two years now. Um, and, and in my professional capacity, I think being then on a board that, you know, obviously works so closely with local businesses is such a natural tie. Um, we, we are a community, we are the college of the community, right? I mean, we support the region. And so mm -hmm. our graduates, um, complete their degree at HCC and they are most likely to stay and live and work in our region. Um, and so the businesses that um, are part of this region likely have HCC graduates. Mm -hmm. And so having the ability to serve as a board member to understand the challenges and opportunities that our region faces from a, um, from a business standpoint is really important um, because they may be seeking to hire our graduates. We as an institution may be in a place to um, better support businesses by creating certificate programs or training programs that will benefit um, their work. And so, yeah, it's, it's such an important partnership. I'm really glad um, to be able to do what I can to support that work too. Yeah, that's fantastic, Amanda. It's really, it's amazing because it really does tie in so nicely because you know, you've got direct information from businesses out there. You've got students who are who are graduating um, and looking for work um, and just making sure that all of that ties in so that you know people have the best experience. I know that uh, um, I've taken a class or two at HCC and uh, it certainly helped me in my educational career. Um, advance and get to you know what I want. Well, I didn't graduate. I mean, I still uh, I still took classes and 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 so it's been around for a long time and it's amazing that it it still continues to be this uh, this wonderful institution for for the region really. Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, I want to get back to a little bit of running. So now this 2000 miles that you're planning on doing. Uh, so I'm doing it now. We've said it out loud. So yeah. <laughs> well, you posted it and I was just I like, that's, that's awesome. And I was just like, so now I, I remember thinking about what does that break down? Have you have you started to kind of break that stuff down? Have you or have you started to just run and uh, what's that? What, what's yeah, your, what's your plan I'm. Uh, you know, I've fluctuated in the way in which I've I've done goal setting for running. Um, and so for this particular goal, um, frankly, I'm winging it a bit. I'm kind of I'm having fun with it. That's awesome. the approach I've decided. Um, you know, I, I feel like at one point early on in deciding to do this many miles, I did the division on how many that would be miles that would be in a week, and um, I think. At the end of the day, I thought to myself, I just want to make sure I get out as frequently as I can That's outside it, yeah. to move, right? And, you know, in the past, um, I've kept journals, as you know, and those are super, super important for just making sure you're staying on track. Um, and it's great to look back on that mm. stuff, too. Um, so that's been really helpful to me in the past as well with marathon training is um, keeping a log of mileage for a week, but not just the number, you know, how I felt that week, um, yeah. how I needed to adjust that week, that kind of thing. So I've, I've adjusted my approach depending on what I want to do with that particular goal. 
yeah, and that's and that's huge because I remember what I was telling you that I was going to go and, and I was going to row uh, a crazy amount every single day. And I decided that I wasn't going to do that just because of the time commitment. I didn't really want to, I decided that, you know, four hours a day was just not what was in my best interest, especially once this podcast started, because this has taken up a lot of time. Um, but I, I, I love it. And so I, I was like, okay, well, that's where I want to spend some time. And so giving myself this like, okay, well, if I just row for an hour a day, um, it's kind of my sweet spot. I enjoy it. I feel fantastic. I love the fact that I get this hour in every single day. Now, if I want to do additional work, that hour hasn't taken me out of the loop to say, okay, well, now I could maybe row some more or I could go move some weight or whatever it is that I want to do. Um, but I'm still doing something on a regular basis. In an hour is still... I mean, seven, seven and a half miles. So yeah, it's still it's a, it's a great workout and you feel fantastic. And you I do. think that, and that's really for me, um, I work out for a variety of different reasons. The majority of it is really for my mental health. Um, I am an emotional individual. I take, you know, I'm highly empathetic and I take on a lot of people's emotions and a lot of times that leads me to have high highs and low lows you know and so what this has done and the consistency has done for me is just it's taken those high highs and those low lows and it's just flattened them a bit right like they don't go away but my ability to work through them and handle them um just you know goes in a different capacity when i'm taking care of myself and so yeah. Um, yeah, it's just having something consistent. Um, you know, yeah, it is. It's so important. I mean, there have been um, a, a few times where my husband has said to me, um, when's the last time you've gone for a run? <laughs> because he could sense it in hmm. the, just in my demeanor, you know, in hmm. the way in which I'm kind of approaching the day that if I've not had that time for me, um, it changes you. And I mm -hmm. think, um, you know, back to the, uh, one of probably a few mantras of mine, literally forward is forward. And I do not care um, if that's walking, running, sprinting 26 miles or, or, you know, two feet. I think Please. it's so important to just get up and move. It, it does, you're right, Scott, it does wonders for your physical and more importantly, yeah. your mental health. Yeah, you know, and even if you have kids, you know, when I was talking to Diana, she was just like, eventually I got back out and it was like, okay, I told the kids to just go ride their bike and then I would follow. And, you know, I said, these things don't have to be mutually exclusive. So regardless of what your situation is, if you've got children, take them along with you. What better way to then allow them to have this healthy habit that they can start to understand helps them in times of stress right uh, and even yeah and going for a walk it doesn't have to be this huge physical uh, uh, activity going for a walk is an excellent way to to get some exercise both mentally and physically uh, or even meditating yeah it really it's, it's it's it doesn't matter what it is it's just doing something for yourself right, uh, right. which is which is fantastic I agree yeah, excellent. So, uh, I, and I appreciate all of the time and, and I want to be cognizant of that. So I do have just a couple of other things that I'm really interested to hear how they're going. Well, really one mainly in, in, uh, um, in particular is just 
how is your PhD program going? I know that uh, you're in the middle of your dissertation, correct? I am, yeah. So I am uh, pursuing a doctoral degree with Northeastern University and um, it's a doctor of education um, with an organizational, organizational leadership focus. And um, I've been ABD or all but dissertation for a while and I've been working on the dissertation um, a little more in earnest in the last few months um, mm. because I've got some mentors keeping me on track. Um, so I think it's been really helpful for me to know that um, people are counting on me um, to finish and to make progress week after week. So, mm -hmm. um, so that progress is being made, which is really, really exciting. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and you also have somebody else kind of looking up to you, right? You have a, uh, a niece who's going through a master's program and you guys are slated to end right around the same time. Is that still the case? Is that? It is. Yeah, it's still <clears throat> the case. She's doing amazing. Um, she'll be um, finished in the summer, the end of the summer. And so I'll be right after her awesome. um, in the fall, um, if all goes well. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I will take inspiration wherever I can get it. And I think um, in this case, you know, knowing that again, somebody is counting on me um, and the fact that I'm also inspired by her, um, you know, pursuing her education. I'm just, I'm education. I feel um, at all levels is just a gateway to opportunity. Um, and you so, know, it, it allows you to make choices and, you know, regardless of where things are in life, education allows you to make choices that you otherwise wouldn't have. And uh, um, yeah, anytime you can continue to pursue that, uh, it's an amazing gift. And, yeah. you know, it's really amazing to really, you know, give that to your niece and both provide inspiration for each other and have that, you know, accountability, um, you know, regardless where it comes from, um, you know, it just goes to say, we all want things for ourselves. And, it's not that people don't want it, but the more that you surround yourself with people who are going to help you get there, however that happens through a question or just a little nudge, you know, that's really what you want instead of somebody saying, yeah, that's really too hard. I wouldn't continue because that's an easy route. At times throughout this journey, we all feel like I can't go forward anymore. Um, and that's really where we need other individuals to, to help us sometimes to find it in ourselves, looking back through a journal and saying, wow, I did that, I can do this. And so it always is reminding ourselves of, of what we've been through uh, so that we know that we can still go through anything. Absolutely, yeah. And I think now more than ever, um, you know, again, thinking about the, the lives we're finding ourselves in, the circumstances we're finding ourselves in this year, I mean, it's just so, it's more important now than ever. And I think going forward will be to just to take what you need and to let go of what does not serve you mm -hmm. um, so that you're able to be your best self, right? I mean, like there That's are it. so many, um, you know, things in our periphery that um, either we just keep on our to-do list because it's always been there. So I just have to do it. Um, or, you know, people are expecting me to do this, so I've got to do it. Well, is it, is it serving me? Is it, is it the right thing for me? Or can this be something I say no to? Yeah. Um, and so really creating space for yourself to, to be that best version of yourself, I think is yeah. something people are realizing more now and hopefully continues beyond the pandemic. 
Well, and, and, you know, going out for that hike and doing these things allow you to understand what that best version is for you so that you don't have to be somebody else's best version of yourself, right? Like, because that doesn't give you energy. That only takes energy away when you're trying to achieve something for somebody else. And so when you, when you internalize that and you do something for yourself, it's just so much better. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Amanda, listen, I, this has been an amazing conversation as always. I thank you for everything. Uh, I thank you for your time. I thank you for all the inspiration that you give to others and, uh, uh, you know, continue to do so. And I know you will. Thank you so much, Scott. And, and the world should know that you are an amazing person. And this podcast is just such a great thing to be able to, you know, have conversations like this. So thank you for the opportunity. I'm really honored. Thank you. I appreciate it. Excellent. Thanks, Amanda. Bye. Bye.